0: We would be in a round table and I'd be listening to counsel talk. And I remember distinctly having uh, with one, of, again, one of those lawyers that I I like and that I trust, finished his presentation. And I I said, okay, I said, let me tell you what I just heard you say. I heard him say, God, I hate this part. I
1: feel Um, it. I feel that. (laughs) Welcome
0: to The Defense Never Rests with Morgan and Akins, your monthly dose of uncommon sense about all things legal and some that are not. Hi,
1: everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Defense Never Rest. I am, of course, your host, Megan. And today, I'm super excited to have on a longtime listener, um, Bob Walsh. He's He was one of the first people, I think, who subscribed to this podcast way back when we first started. But also, I've had the pleasure of working with Bob on, on cases for, for years. And I just think he's just a, a delightful person to talk to. And he's so knowledgeable about claims and really relationships and the importance of relationships in this industry whether it be relationships with your counsel relationships with uh your insureds, uh relationships within your firm and just how developing and maintaining those relationships really helps this machine uh you know well oiled and you know move forward so you know I was honored when I asked him to come on and he agreed to to join me so you know he has just has so much to share so with that I'm going to bring him in. Good afternoon, Bob. Welcome to the Defense of Rest. I'm so happy to have you.
0: I am so thrilled to be here.
1: I I should I need our listeners to know this because I feel like you might be one of our very very first uh, subscribers to this podcast. I think I think you've been a long time listener.
0: <laughs> I, I think that that's probably true. I'm a I'm a, I'm a podcast listener, and so when uh, when Trish started this uh, whole project, um, I was uh, I was on it pretty early and. Uh, and uh, offering criticism uh, fairly often. <laughs> so,
1: oh, I, I, Did we listen to some of your criticism? I, I, I wasn't privy to the, your criticism. So if she made yeah. the changes, she didn't let me know they came from you or the suggestions <laughs> that, came from you.
0: I like her. Um.
1: <laughs> well, I do appreciate your support um, and you, you tuning in for all, you know, all the over all these years we've we've definitely changed things have changed since the start. I think in a you know it, it was great how it started and we've pivoted a little bit. Um, but I I appreciate that, you know, that you took the time to tune in and give us the support, especially at the beginning when you may have been one of like three people probably tuned in. <laughs> yeah.
0: you've been, and you and you've you've kept it fresh over the over the time. Okay. So it's I hope so. It's been a good a good listen.
1: Well, you know, we are not here to talk about just this, even though that that's great, but you know I I am so happy that you joined us because you have been listening for so long, and we've been trying to get you on onto the podcast and finally, I think Trish twisted your arm just enough that you said, yes, sure' I'll join Megan for for an episode now um but as you know from listening to this, you know I when I when I get guests on, one of the first things I like to find out is you know how you kind of made the decision to get to, to be where you are now. And I say that with because you, you went to law school and you decided to go to law school and all, all of us lawyers out there have different reasons why we chose that, that path. And I'm, and I love hearing the different stories from everybody of why they, they took the path that they did. So what, what was your, you know, what pushed you to go, go to law school? Cause I, I, from your background, your background was, you know, kind of like mine. You had a biochem background. So you have, you had some of the science stuff back in there. So that's not a typical, um, law school precursor.
0: (laughs) It's actually a funny story. Uh, so I, I went, uh, as you said, I was at the university of North Carolina in, in the uh, biochemistry department. Um, I was there for a year. I, um, had what was a wonderful opportunity. Um, uh, I, I learned a lot, got to publish a paper, which not a lot of, um, you know, first-year students uh, get to do. Um, but um, as, the, as that year rolled on, um, I, I began to think about um, what it was that I wanted to do and why it was that I was there. And uh, it was an interesting situation because the professor that I worked for basically um was uh was there teaching um nominally uh, in order to uh to do research and I was doing research because I thought I wanted to teach um and so and we had many many conversations about that tension between the two of us and and, and very productive conversations um and at the end of my first year I decided that I really needed to go out and and see what else was in the world um, in terms of sort of the service uh, service situation. And so I spent the next four years uh, in New York City at a uh, shelter for homeless kids, um, which is where I met my wife. Um, and uh, and so I, we reached a point, we got married and reached a point where I realized that um, I needed to uh, get an advanced degree that, um, uh, you know, and I had one of our bosses um, at the shelter was somebody who um, had been a lawyer and decided that he was not gonna do that anymore, but really used his legal skills in terms of uh, the way he administered the program. Um, and so my choices uh, as it narrowed it down was I could either uh, go to law school or I could go to social work school. And I was sitting on the stoop um, in Jersey City at our, in our apartment in Jersey City, Looking out at the Manhattan skyline one night, um, and it it struck me that my wife is a savant uh, when it comes to social work, um, and that I didn't want to be the second best social worker in my family, Um, and so (laughs) I decided to go to law school.
1: So you could be the best lawyer in your family.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, hopefully that's true.
1: (laughs) How, how did you find, you know, that that transition over to how did that go for you um, going from because okay, it is a little different when you come and I, I did the similar thing. Like I, I, I went to school for something totally different. I worked for some time and then went to law school. And you, when you enter law school, you kind of enter with a different maturity. I felt at least I felt like I entered with a different maturity than some of my classmates because I'd already done other things. And I was like, I, I it wasn't just a default move for me. Um, it was like, no, like I, this isn't an extension of college. Um, so I had a little bit of different mindset. Did you find that to be the same for you?
0: Yes. Uh, I, you know, I, so I was a little bit older um, than, uh, than my classmates. A lot of my classmates in law school were, you know, had just come straight out of college and I had you know spent uh, five years um, between, uh, before I went to law school. And so that part was a little bit different. Um, we had it um, kind of, I had a, our first child by then, um, uh, he used to run around campus which you know what's the delight of uh, some of my my classmates and not to the delight of others um and uh, so and so it, it was that part was different I'm, and the pressures we had different pressures different sort of uh, um, you know our our I want to say our worldview was different but you know having a child and, and you know and uh, trying to um, uh, you know trying to, uh, you know, make marriage work, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at the very beginning and going to law school at the same time, uh, was, uh, was, uh, it was a lot. And so, um, but we, we weathered that, weathered that storm pretty well. Now, you now I didn't have it, you know, I had it hard or I would like to think that I had it hard. Um, but my wife, again, going just going back just to be, make the record clear, cause I'm sure she's going to listen to this. Um, my wife, um, delivered our our child between semesters um, of her of her MSW program at NYU so um I didn't have it nearly as hard as she
1: did <laughs> she timed it really well by doing it in between semesters
0: yes yes well <laughs> she, she I guess she missed the first couple classes and and uh, when she was came into the the class you know one of the professors said, Sheen where you been and she said I, I had a baby and she said good excuse <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guess I'll take that. That is an excuse absence. <laughs>
0: um,
1: so, but during, you know, during law school and as you were like nearing graduation, did you have an idea of, you know, what direction you wanted to go in or um, did you like me kind of were kind of forced in a direction because that's what the economy at the time, at least for me, the economy at the time dictated what direction I was going to go in.
0: You know, I, n- no, is the answer to that question. I, I think that, um, uh, that I, um, I had the very good fortune, um, of uh, having a summer, uh, clerkship with, uh, with a lawyer who had just come up from Washington, DC to open a practice, uh, a branch practice, uh, for his, uh, his plaintiff's law firm, uh, and, uh, he knew nothing about kinetic product, product liability law. Uh, the Connecticut had really just recently put the, uh, the statute on the books. Uh, and so that first summer I spent really sort of learning the, the product liability law along with him. Um, and so when I, I got my first job, um, you know, one of the things that was worked sort of worked to my advantage was, is that I, I really did know the Connecticut law pretty well. Um, and one of our, one of the first cases I was assigned to was, um, uh, was a lawsuit that we, that, uh, the firm was defending against, uh, one of the, the, uh, the diet programs. Um, I don't remember which one it was, uh, but I remember the partner specifically com- calling me in and saying, we're going to sign into this case. And that, you know, and I, and he said, and in part, he said, because there's a lot of science that goes on in this one. And he said, and I'm pretty sure you're the only person who can read the papers intelligently. So, um, you know, so that, that, you know, so the, the two things, the, the biochem background and um, and having learned the products liability law really worked in my favor. And that was all she wrote really in a lot of ways. I mean, that's what I've been doing for the last, you know, for my career.
1: Well, and I'm glad you brought that up there too, because this is something that come, I find too a lot of, there's this misconception out there that like lawyers don't, aren't, Good at math or aren't good at science and you know i i share a, that similar background and i actually think it's it helps quite a bit because you have there's so much analytical thinking that goes into mathematics and science and all you know the those um you know those courses that you know you kind of already have this real logical basis um mindset going in uh and it, i think it does assist very well uh when you're trying to like pick apart claims, particularly products claims, when you, you know, you have already have an idea about how maybe how, you know, like electrical engineering might work or, you know, physics or biochemistry or whatever maybe you have you have this background that, you know, someone who is a philosophy major might not might not have the, the same opportunity <laughs> to pull out or yeah. the same experiences to pull out of.
0: Well I I yeah, I'm not going to badmouth philosophy matrix, but but, um, <laughs> but I, I would say that, and I, and you and I talked about this a little bit um, uh, earlier that um, that I think that when I'm one of the things I'm looking for when I you know in a, in a lawyer and a product liability lawyer is somebody who's almost they're not quite an engineer but they're pretty close um, that yeah. they you know that they don't have difficulty um, uh, with the concepts because I mean let's face it that you know, the two important parts are, is number one is you have to understand the concepts in order to defend the case. But the other thing you need to be able to do is you need to be able to put it into language that, a, a, you know, a juror can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so, and you know, and so you're looking for a lawyer that really sort of is an amalgam of those different things. So, you know, I, um, especially on sort of the uh, the higher, uh, more complex types of products claims, I think that it's, absolutely, it's almost a necessity.
1: Yeah. And during your, your career doing, um, in private practice, were you focused solely on products claims or did you, did you have like a, a wider berth of, uh, types of claims you're working on? I,
0: you know, I, everybody works on a little, you know, when you're working for a big firm, you all know, everybody works on a little bit of everything. Um, uh, but, um, but I think my, my main focus was, uh, was products I, I had, um, I the great fortune um, to um, as a as a you know as a, a lawyer in private practice as an associate to work for one of the major uh, automobile manufacturers and also for one of the major um, heavy equipment manufacturers um, and so um, you know uh, so those were uh, very serious cases um, with uh, with insureds that or with clients that really understood what they were doing. Uh, and uh, you know, and we're very engaged um, in, in it, and even to the point where the the auto manufacturer. One of the things I got to do um, in my second year was to go out to Detroit, and uh, they ran a, a, a seven day course for you know lawyers were young lawyers who were going to defend them, so that we can learn exactly yeah, what a differential was, and you know, and how an engine worked, and those sorts of things. Things which, by the way, with all the you know the way that um, that uh, you know the advances have been probably useless now um, but uh, uh, but at the time you know it was it was pretty cool um that was probably 1989 or, or um and uh and i got to watch them crash a 93 um a very high-end 93 model car into a fixed barrier 30 miles an hour from about 30 feet away
1: yeah. so that was cool cool but also really important <laughs>
0: yes. Yes. You know,
1: <laughs> like that hands-on like a, approach to things. I, I I think is so important. I've talk, I mean, I've talked to people on this podcast before, like from um, someone who's director of claims of a restaurant that even with the rest, like the restaurant with their outside counsel, they want to bring their outside counsel in and they have them learn everything as if they're on the line. So they understand mm-hmm. everything and how it works. So then when they If they are to get, you know, down the road, have litigation get sued, then that attorney really understands how the business works. And I I mean, the same goes for that. You really have to dive in and understand how the product works and, you know, what can go wrong or what, like how it actually happens versus just reading it. You know, it's just a different experience from when you're there, in there. It
0: absolutely is. It absolutely is
1: you you're in private practice for for some time what takes you h- how do you eventually leave the the grind of the private practice to <laughs> to now yeah. be like <laughs> to, to to go outside and be like i i no longer am billing those hours anymore And now i i've, I've i'm on the outside now <laughs> uh,
0: you know quite frankly i mean there was the opportunity um at the hartford uh, uh to um uh, to uh take the my that subject matter expertise I had with respect to products cases and to uh and to sort of uh, uh use it in a situation where I was now the one going to be hiring lawyers instead of the lawyer that was hired um and uh you know uh, you know it was um it you know a, a tremendous opportunity and um and one i'm I'm really thankful that i that I had
1: when you came into the Hartford, was your role, because I know what your role is from, from our, from our working relationship, but when you came in, was that the, like, did you come in having, being in a specialty program or is that something that came about as you gained more experience?
0: Oh, no, I was hired for this specialty program. And, uh, um, and, uh, essentially, uh, you know, uh, this was, a uh, this was a program which was going to, um, Target as their, um, as their as their as uh, their their clients, uh, insureds that had very very few claims, but when they happened, they had the potential to be catastrophic. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, and not surprisingly, um, you know, uh, manufacturers fell uh, product manufacturers fell into that uh, into that category. Uh, and so, um, for the for at the very beginning, um, it. I I was the home office uh, person, uh, consultant for that particular business. Um, And I um, oversaw um, a a group of field handlers um, that were actually doing the the nuts and the bolts of the handling um, on the ground. Um, And as um, and sort of as time progressed um, and the business grew, um, I had the opportunity to uh, not only to be supervising uh, those uh, those uh, Field handlers, but also we brought on uh, had to bring in some other additional folks uh, in, in into the home office, um, and I ended up uh, directing those uh, those folks in in terms of their um, oversight of the field organizations uh, in uh, handling claims.
1: When you're in the in this program, and you you worked really closely with some of your insurers or all of your insurers, I should say, right.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And,
1: and from, from you and I speaking, um, over the years and, and more recently, you know, you, you put a lot of, um, stock and, and in time into developing relationships. And I feel like that, that really made, um, your connections with each and each individual insured pretty, pretty strong.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. That's absolutely right. I, I, and, you know, I, I think I start with, I've always started with sort of the the um, the premise that that claims is the face of uh an, any insurance company and in particular and for me it was the Hartford. Um and so uh, you know that you know the underwriting um, was important and uh and I had uh my group had uh, very very uh tight uh relationships and very close relationships with their underwriters which um, depending upon the company you're working for, it can be pretty rare. Um, but there, was, I, but um, we worked um, uh, well together in terms of uh, understanding what our insureds were about. Um, in terms of understanding what a prospective insured was about, uh, and in terms of basically going out and selling um, the our claims operation or our claims group um, uh, as part of that. Uh, that sales process, um, we, um, so, you know, so there, it, it was not an unusual situation where um, we would actually meet an insured before they became an insured. Um, yeah. And part of the reason why they would come on board was because of what we told them we wanted to do for them or or could do for them in terms of claims. Um, and And we really sort of ran the gamut um, you know, we we had insureds that would not know a GL claim if they fell over it. Um, and for those folks, you know, we were um, basically, we acted in a lot of ways as their risk manager. So that when, uh, you know, when a claim did come in the door, we were able to sort of um, walk them through the process um, and, uh, you know, explain, you know, what, what needed to happen, what we were doing, why we were doing it. Um, and then we had insurers on the other end, who you know often would have a large self-insured retention. You know who would you know call me and say, uh, Bob, we're involved in this claim. You know we've reported it, um, but you know it's well within. It. So far we thought it was within our retention. Now we think it's not. Um, and and what do you do? And and uh, well, you know we'd like to talk to you about it. And you know I think the important thing for those folks basically was the notion that I wasn't going to push the panic button. Mm-hmm. that I wasn't going to go out and, and uh, settle a claim that they didn't necessarily want to settle, that I was going to um, listen to what it was that, uh, what their interests were and what their concerns were. Um, and, and sometimes their concerns went beyond the, the claim that was sitting, sitting in front of us. Sometimes it would, um, the claim involved a very important product of theirs that they, need, we needed to make sure was defended appropriately. Um, because if, you know if it went if there was a judgment against it then uh then there was a whole product line out yeah. there that might get you know was suspect um and and one of the cool parts of my job basically was that i was i i had a lot of uh, um autonomy um so that um in the in, in the last year before i left i had one particular insurer who called and said we've got this situation coming up and uh um we've uh, I, I have to be in the same town as the CEO of the other company that's involved in this, and uh, and and we're trying to figure out what the you know the cost sharing should be, and uh, and uh, but we don't necessarily want to involve you, mm-hmm. you know. We we want want to let you know, and you know, and at, at that at that point, if it was somebody that you didn't know, if if it was an insurer that you hadn't been working with for ten or fifteen years you would say, um, well, I, you know, you can't have that, but I knew these people, I, you know, I knew what they were about. I knew that um, I knew they could be trusted. Um, and I said, look, you know, and so we, we sat down and we, and we mapped out what the strategy was and I was involved at that point, but I didn't go um, because they didn't want anybody to know that, you know, that insurance was going to be involved in this and for good reasons. Um, and so, you know, then and that's the sort of um, relationships I think that um, that you can have, that a carrier can have, if they're willing to sort of um, take the leap, if they're willing to, um, um, uh, you know, to be committed to not just their own bottom line, but to the bottom line of their clients.
1: And I think a lot of it is goes to the notion of partnership and trust. Right. And you get those things after after you spend some time and you build the relationship together. And, like you know, you can trust that that insured that individual because you've you've both put the time and the energy in and you kind of know what each other is is about. So you can have those kind of honest conversations and, you know, then be like, look, you know, we we, this is kind of how we want to do it because this is what works for our business, and you've developed the relationship relationship long enough that you know, okay, all right, we can we can do that because I you understand yeah. the business too, and you understand that like what go, goes on behind the scenes, so to speak. Correct. Yes. And I mean, one thing you and I had talked about too is like that that same relationship thing extends to counsel, and I think you you always prided yourself in you know finding counsel that you trusted, uh, and then once you found that that counsel, you know, that, that was the counsel you trusted. Like, like I'm good. I got, but.
0: Well, well, I, I, the, the people, I think I work people out a little bit in terms of continually repeating myself and that, that we don't hire firms, we hire lawyers. mm -hmm. Um, that, um, and that, um, and that, like, as I said, the, the lawyers that that we, especially that I was looking for you know we're not they you know they're not the you're run of the mill um, guys i mean and and i, I don't mean to badmouth you know people in our profession um but i think that um, i think that there are uh, you know there are folks that um, are subject matter experts are sort of have that engineering sort of mindset um and uh, you know and those are the fo- and, and and that are they're that trustworthy you know that are not um you know I, I, so on the one hand, you know, I had situations where, um, where I, we would be in a round table and I'd be listening to counsel talk. And I remember distinctly having, uh, with one, of again, one of those lawyers that I, I like and that I trust, um, it finished his presentation. And I, I said, okay, I said, let me tell you what I just heard you say. And I swear to God, he said, I heard him say, God, I hate this part. Uh, you know, I feel it. Um, I feel that. <laughs> right, but the, but the fact of the matter is is that is that that's a two way street, you know. And so, um, you know, I I didn't ever want uh, you know one of our lawyers to basically um, tell me what they thought. I wanted to hear. I wanted them to tell me what you know what was what they believed to be the truth. And we could have you know honest and um and and hopefully uh, fruitful conversations about those things Mm -hmm. um but but you know like i said so it's not it's it's number one sort of being you know number one i was going to say subject matter expert that's not right that's number two first thing is judgment Mm -hmm. right and and that's the one thing that you look for because you can't that's the one thing that can't be taught Mm -hmm. you know um somebody either has it or they don't um, and so you're looking for uh, for attorneys, and 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 by the way, this goes for claims handlers. This, you know, this, I mean, this goes for you know um, your experts. It goes for um, you know it goes for uh, uh, for your investigators. You know you're looking for people who exercise understand the situation and exercise good judgment. Um, you're looking for uh, people who um, are good subject, you know, have um, good subject matter um, expertise, and then. To the extent that's possible. I mean, you're looking for people who can have the same sort of relationships with the client um, that you have, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that you've developed. Um, and the, you know, the worst thing that I, you know, the, the worst thing I I think that I could do is, is to put one of my trusted or one of my valued um, insureds, you know, in a situation with a lawyer in and in a difficult situation with a lawyer that I had never used before you know because of you know the you know the jurisdiction or whatever and those are situations where I felt like I needed to be there um, because I, I needed to make sure that the insured was being taken care of mm-hmm. um, and, um, and 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 uh, but it, but there were also lawyers out there that you know that I didn't I didn't have that concern about that I knew that um, that uh, they were trustworthy that they exercised good judgment. And that they were going to be able to uh, uh, to to serve uh, my insureds in the way that I would if I was in their shoes.
1: And I think a lot of that though goes to knowing your insured so well because you put in the time, but also knowing your counsel very well. And you know, you might have it, you know you might have counsel that you love and you jive with, but you know, you know Joe, you know CEO of X company, might not get along with Mary, and you might love Mary. <laughs> But the two of them together might be oil and water so and you're the one who know like you you have the relationships with both and you have to have that again like that judgment on you know maybe mary and joe aren't a good fit maybe i need yeah. to find brian yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah and by the way sometimes you make a mistake and you put yeah. you know you put two people together that, that that don't fit um and you have to be willing to to listen to what each of them are saying um, as you as you progress, and at some point, if you you know you've got to be willing to say, you know what, I made a mistake, and we're gonna we're gonna get bring another lawyer in, not because you're a bad lawyer, but because it's you know it's not working well, you know it's not working well with this client, and uh, and we need to make sure that you know at the end at the end, at the end of the day, we're you know the insu- the insured is going to uh, you know needs to be able to feel comfortable. Um, with the lawyer that's representing them and so you got to be willing to you know it's like any that's like anything else you have to be willing you know when you make a mistake you got to be willing to 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 own it and uh and you know do the things that are necessary to fix it
1: yeah own it and then yes and have a solution (laughs) (laughs) um but I I mean we see that a lot I I see it a lot at my end too like there there could be attorneys in in like my office that I work really well with But someone else like it's just the working styles don't don't jive like everyone just has their different ways of doing things. And, you know, or or someone's, you know, the way someone else works up a case might not work the same way. You know, you might have someone who's a product liability attorney and that they work up a case for that. But that same workup isn't going to work for a, you know, a a premises case or may not, you know, and you just have it's like a. You have to gauge like is this a good fit for this this type of claim it you know you have to look at all everything that's involved in it and not it's not just a yeah. one one-off approach correct um but having said that you know having that experience with some so many outside counsel and um seeing what you how certain people work with insureds and how they uh you know work up their files are there any characteristics that stand out to you that is something that like, you really look for when you're, you know, selecting or de- choosing to develop a relationship with a particular attorney to work more with them on cases?
0: Well, like I said, I number one is judgment. And, mm-hmm. and that's, again, and, and that's always, you know, dipping your toe in the water because you don't know, you know, the first time, you know, um, you may, um, you know, re- have recommendations from lawyers that you trust. Um but at the end of the day, you know, it it's um, it really is sort of, you know, I mean, to the ex- to the extent that it's possible, you kind of like to put those folks on the smaller cases just to see how they work, right? Okay. Um, uh, but um, but I, like I said, but I think uh, the the three things I mentioned uh, judgment, um, uh, some degree of subject matter expertise, and then also I just again their willingness to uh, to speak the truth. Mm-hmm. um, to both, uh, you know, and to have, um, and to have honest conversations, both with, uh, with the carrier as well as the, uh, as the client.
1: Yeah. And, you know, this is a, a theme that comes up a lot though, and you had touched on it before is, you know, you don't want to only he- hear what they think, what your attorneys think you want to hear. Um, right. because that doesn't really help the anything. <laughs>
0: no it doesn't
1: no no it doesn't <laughs> like I mean and and if you can hear up front like hey Bob you know this is not a good case for us like we're we looking at exposure we probably should get ahead of this now um and maybe we can you know here's our plan to minimize this exposure but you know this isn't ex- like you know just calling how it is rather than like oh yeah slam dunk we got
0: this <laughs> right no uh, no and, and- you know, and, and Oliver in your office has probably had said that to me two or three times over the course of, you know, the last 10 years, you know, this is probably when we should get out of early, or I've said it to him, Oliver, this is when we should get out of early. So, um <laughs>
1: yeah. And I, I, but I feel like that also goes to the trust factor. Um You know, if you have an attorney, you really trust, um like, Calling it how it is versus how they think you want to hear it, uh, the, the trust is really, really there, and you have yeah. to, you know, not be scared to deliver bad news. Yeah, it I, sucks I, to deliver bad news. It does. But <laughs> it,
0: you know, there, there's one other thing which um, sort of this reminds me of, and that is, is that um, my my best moment as a as a lawyer uh, came during a um, a case for that heavy uh, heavy equipment manufacturer. Um, and I was sort of the, you know, I was the associate on the file. And so I was sort of taking the um, uh, the less important depositions, we'll say. Um, mm-hmm. So um, it was a death case. Um, and I was taking, you know, so I ended up taking the deposition of, uh, of the widow and, uh, and a couple of the sons. Um, and it was a case in which, um, a gentleman had been killed while, um, operating a piece of equipment, um, uh, in, in a, in a particular manner that, you know, he probably shouldn't, well, not probably, he should have been, should not have been using it, uh, in, in the way that he was. And one of the, um, and so, uh, and I don't remember. We'll just say the name of the company uh, the, it was a construction company. Obviously, it was Smith and Sons. Yeah. So I got to take the deposition of the sons, um, and I, I was taking the deposition of the oldest son, and you know, taking him through all the sorts of stuff. And I, I said, um, I asked him. I said, um, Did you, um, you know, your this is how your father, this is the sequence where your, where your father died. I said, I've, Did you ever see him operate the piece of equipment that way? And he said, Yeah, I did. And I said, I so I said, I said, um, I said, have you ever um, operated the piece of equipment that way? And uh, and he hesitated for a minute uh, or a moment and said, uh, yes, yes, I have. And the hesitation just got to me, and I just said, have you operated this piece of equipment like that since your father died? And he said, yes, I have. Mm-hmm. This is a failure to warn case, mm-hmm. and so I. Um, I just um I said, okay, and I ended the deposition and um, and we settled this death case for less than six figures yeah um and and so a, a great moment you know, and you know like I said my best moment as an attorney um probably though one of the things that i, I spent a lot of time in my in my early years um, on the carrier side was trying to get my lawyers to find that silver bullet in Every case that they had, and you know what, it's not there. <laughs> and and you can spend a lot of resources, look, you know, looking for that silver bullet. And and sometimes it, it helps to just really sort of step back and say, you know what, the case is what it is. Um, and might there be a silver bullet in there? Yes, but how much is it going to cost me to get there? Um, and, you know, and and what's the opportunity cost in terms of, yeah. uh, you know, in, in terms of, you know, getting the case resolved now for what I can get it resolved for versus, you know, spending the ton of money, uh, you know, uh, looking for something that that might not be there. Um, it took me a little while to sort of um, figure that out. Um, I, I, because that moment, you, you know, great for me as a lawyer, but you kind of spoiled me for a little bit <laughs> until I realized that, you know, that, that silver bullet wasn't there all the time.
1: Yeah. I'm going to find it in every case, <laughs> but, That's right. but the mindset is good, you know, to have, have that mindset that you're looking for. It's just, you shouldn't rely upon finding it. Right. That's right. Um, you know, and in, so in your career and having, you know, in your development of relationships with attorneys and, and insurance, or, but mostly attorneys, Are there any factors that for you are relationship killers, like things that you like, don't feel like you can come back from?
0: It would seem to me that, you know, the, one of those things, again, it goes back to the notion of, of the importance of the relationship and that to the extent that, you know, a lawyer um, is dismissive of me or, um, or, um, you know, a claims handler that I'm, I'm overseeing, you know, um, I think that, um, that, uh, that that's, you know, that's destructive to the relationship. And, and I think that we have, you know, that once the first time that happens, you have a conversation about it. Uh, but if, if it happens again, I, I think that that's, you know, that's the end of it. Um, you know, because again, it goes back to sort of that trust issue. Yeah. And, um, and I, I you know, uh, and while this isn't a killer, one of the things that just frosted me all the time was, um, you know, we'd get on round tables and we'd have lawyers who were clearly not prepared yes. for the conversation. And, and not, I, I, I don't mean, I don't mean this to come off as blowing my own horn or anything like that, but I, you know, we I, there were a number of, uh, there were not an insignificant number of round tables where I would, you know, over the years where I would get off the call with, or the lawyer would leave the call and I would be talking to the claims adjuster. And I would say, which part of you're on the line with the home office consultant. Did that person not understand, right. you know, and, and in part that goes to judgment, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, it, you have to, you know, I think that you prepare to the level of, uh, you, sh- you should be preparing at least to the level of the, you know, of your audience. Um, and when you fail to do that, it, I think it's, it's disrespectful, um, again, and not because, you know, I've many great shakes, but, but because I think that, you know, that, that the, there's a there's some there's a gravitas that comes along with you know with those two words. It's amazing how much in, in, in the carrier world, how much uh, gravi- how much the word home office, um, uh, you know, uh, brings to bear in, in any yeah. situation.
1: Well, it's um, it also is a little disrespectful of your right. of you and your time. You know, if you were to come unprepared, like well, you know, you know, Bob said not Bob set aside X amount of time for me to present this case and get offer my my recommendations and, and and coming in unprepared and not anticipating said questions then you then you can't you probably can't help but think well so then how prepared are they before the judge you know or how prepared are they for that deposition are they just winging that too and then <laughs> I think it, does, it you can't help but start asking those questions in your mind because you know like like, let's face it, You, you, if, you if you're if you the one who decided this attorney gets this case, and then mm-hmm. when they're presenting said case to you and they're not ready to present it, you're like, yeah, but the judge didn't send in that case. And if they're not prepared to, to impress me, are they going to impress, yeah. you know, what are they going to do, yeah. impress the judge or, you know, take the deposition or whatever it may be. So I, I, I 100% can see that. Like, why, you know, that's, it's kind of a slap in the face, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> to get well, make it a little extreme, but <laughs> okay, you can say that. <laughs> I did. Uh, <laughs> you know, have you ever had a scenario though that, you know, it, that was a a game changer for you that you're like, you know what, I'm just not. I don't know if I can continue on in this in this relationship.
0: I had a claims adjuster who was working for me who was handling a case that wasn't my, one of mine it was somebody else's, and they were at a mediation. With this particular with this particular lawyer that we had we had used and um, and the lawyer um, was very critical of the, the whatever the strategy was that the claims adjuster um, was uh, was involved in. Again, I was not involved in this case at all and uh, and but the the lawyer knew that the claims adjuster was uh, associated with Hartford and said, uh, well, you know do you know Bob Walsh and, you know yes i do and says well apparently this wasn't run by him because he would never have done it this way. that lawyer never worked for me again Mm -hmm. you know i i you know i I, because i i felt like he was using my name to get leverage over um you know an adjuster again not even on my case yeah um and i I just thought that that was completely completely inappropriate um and so and so when that firm became involved in our cases um, at other times, you know, I would basically, I said, no, that we're not going to hire. We, we're only going to deal with this firm if this lawyer is not on the case.
1: Yeah. I can so, understand So
0: yes, that. Is the answer to your question, <laughs> I think.
1: Um, now, and I, I've heard varying responses to this, this question. I've asked a, a number of people in, in your same position about, Um, young attorneys like less experienced attorneys and working on 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 cases Um, what are you like do you have any strong feelings on that like I've talked to people like they do not want their their files to be learning files and I I get that because it can be there could be some wheels turning money wasted type things when you get you know greener Council, like working up files um so i'm curious to hear you know your your thoughts on that
0: well you know we were all young attorneys at one point right we all needed to learn somehow um and i think that uh you know that uh, and you know you know you and trish can't do all the work <laughs> <No>. right <laughs> so you know so i think it's a matter of number one you know again, trusting the person that, you know, the partner, uh, trusting the per- you know, your contact at the firm, uh, that they're not going to, um, find somebody who's a bozo to your, your file and, um, and that they are going to oversee the, you know, the file in such a way is it's actually going to be a learning file as opposed to a dumping file. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so a lot of that, um, you know, depends upon the trust that you have in the, you know, in your contact in, in the partner uh, that's uh, that's involved in the case. Um, but, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that, that you know, there are a number of times when, uh, you know, the, that young attorney is somebody who has all those other things, qualities that you're looking for, that the only thing they're really missing is experience, mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and so I'm happy to, to sort of, to spend the resources there. Um, because, you know, it, it, you know, and I can think of it, you know, one situation in particular where, um, you know, I was, I worked with this, the the lawyer and with this associate who became a partner and then really took over, um, our business, um, once the partner, the original partner retired. Um, and so, you know, yes, and you have to, um, be able to, um, just, you know, so you have to take sort of take the long view here, um, you know, and, and that's, that sort of takes us back to the the whole, you know, relationship issue, right? Is, is that the relationship is not necessarily, you know, it's not a one-off situation, right? It's, it's something which um, you're going to spend time with um, that, um, you know, you're going to, um, you know, I, I have at least one insured uh, that was with, that I had at the Hartford, um, and that I had, um, call with that, uh, with the CEO of that company twice a year, whether we had cases or not, uh, just to make sure, you know, to touch base, to make sure that we were, you know, we understood, uh, you know, how, how their business was doing, that they understood how our business was doing. Um, and, uh, and 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 I continue to have, you know, that even though I'm I'm not with the Hartford at this point, I continue to have a relationship with with uh with that uh, that gentleman. Um, you know, it it's not just a matter of, you know, yes, we we meet over these cases, but the fact of the matter is is that um that relationships have a lot more to there is a lot more to them than just that. Yes. Um and uh and so um you know and and so I, you know, and I—that's probably the most enjoyable part of uh, of the job for me—was um, uh, was sort of those uh, under, you know, those relationships under understanding how those people worked, um, understanding what was uh, what was important, um, you know, um, and this comes as no surprise to you. I mean, you know, we have we had one client that that. Your firm worked with uh, us on, uh, with us on uh, a number of their cases, and um, uh, just um, an amazing, um, a small, you know, family-owned business. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they made a, a terrific product, um, and uh, and uh, you know, <laughs> and, and the very first time that I went out and uh, toured the the plant. Uh, the thing that struck me more than anything else was the fact that the uh, that the president of the company uh, was able to talk to or refer to every single person on the line by their first mm-hmm. name. And, uh, you know, and, you know, and those are the kind of people that you're looking for to be your clients. Uh, yeah. And those are the kind of people that you want to have long term relationships with because they're going to teach you stuff. Yeah, Um, it's not, you know, they're going to teach you about how to um, how to acquire clients. They're going to teach you about, you know, um, how do you continue to prosper? Um, How do you continue to be successful? Um, It's not just, you know, it's not that's a two way street.
1: And I I will say that that particular client, I think, also wrote a handwritten thank you note to the attorney who was who handled some of those those cases that, 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 that says that, a lot that too. would
0: not that would not surprise me in the least
1: <laughs> but that's a, i mean i think that does say a lot too about um again it was like uh, our theme is relationships and you know building them and curating them and trust in them and you know to to piggyback off what you said about you know young like growing young attorneys. Like you trust, you know, you said you, you hire attorneys, not firms, but so you trust that attorney to then then hire also attorneys that will, you know, fit kind of the type of qualities that you're looking for and then uh mentor them and help them grow. So then you you can trust that associate and you know that again, the the partner who you've you've hired is overseeing the work. And so it doesn't work unless everyone trusts you know, one, right. one another because, in the process right.
0: because hopefully, if the system's working right, then it's all growing, right? And right. so, you know, the work is growing, and so you and you know you you can't deal with this uh, that finite group of people. I mean, you have to at some point you have to sort of um, grow and develop the resources to continue to handle your the growth, yeah. um, and that includes the the young young council as well.
1: My my point is that you can't. You do have to have a growth mentality too. That be, uh, to understand that you know, you are better when you develop a team and you have a good team working with you and you trust the team and you grow your team because get if you have like if your tentacles are everywhere you're not going to do a good job everywhere because you're just going to be stretched too thin. So you have to work on developing the right team and balance and right. and you, not to say that you just you hand it off and you have no idea what's going on. But you have to also understand, like you—you you literally cannot have your hands in everything because then something is going to go amiss. So right. you need to trust have, who else is handling it.
0: You have to be able to delegate.
1: Yes, and it's a skill I'm learning too. I'm not great at it. I'm—I'm uh, I'm working on it. I am a work in progress, and I—but I, I do think that's something you—you you learn and you grow over time with as well. I'm hoping. <laughs> see. <laughs> um, you know, what one thing I wanted to touch on though, because you know, we've talked so much about relationships relationships with clients and attorneys, but you know, throughout your your career, you've probably, you've seen the likes of all different types of opposing counsel. Um, and those relationships are important too, sometimes very adverse and sometimes, you know, not so and sometimes more friendly. But, you know, what are some have you seen changes in the way that the, you know, the plaintiff's bar kind of approaches um, cases that make it more um, challenging for, for you?
0: Well, you know, I think God, I'm going to use the word I I kind of hate, you know, but social inflation, right. Mm -hmm. And that, that, I mean, I I think that, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I think we had a pretty good sense of how much a case, you know, you know a death case was worth and how much a you know an, a, an arm off case was worth and we we had a pretty good sense of that i th- i think that we no longer have any sense of that whatsoever yeah. um and um and so and i think that there are um, a number of lawyers um, in the bar and, and i'm thinking about a couple of, in california in particular um who um who have really are really leveraging that um, you know, that notion that, you know, that, um, yeah, the case, you know, we, you know, it could be a million dollar case, but it could be a $20 million case. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and are really leveraging that in terms of their negotiations. Um, and, um, and I wish I had a good, um, a good answer to that. Um, because I, I think that, um, I think that the, pr- the problem with those cases is, is that, that they are not necessarily going to be decided on the facts um but they're you know but i think that they're the it's, it, it is the appeals to um uh sympathy and and all that you know uh with respect to jurors that um makes it um incredibly difficult to sort of understand you know again what what the value of those cases are um and um and i and what I think is 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 happening is is that we're spending a tremendous amount of legal, okay, because we have to, um, because we're being made almost to, to to litigate those cases right up to the courthouse steps, yeah, um, before they get settled. And so, um, you know, and uh, I will I will uh, you know, use Bill Mitchell's name here and. and and say that uh, you know um, and get your listeners to listen to uh, to some of what uh, what Bill Mitchell uh, lawyer out of Atlanta um has to say about that because he 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 has some very um I creative ideas in terms of um you know understanding the value of a case and 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 what you can do um in a what he would call a disruptive way yeah. um to to get out of them early um. Uh, and so um but but i but i think that that's uh, again it it's 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 really not having a good grasp anymore uh because of the way that verdicts have con- have, uh, have gone uh of what exactly the value of a particular claim is and therefore not really you know being you know, stuck in terms of really trying to get cases resolved
1: yeah well and and one thing that comes to mind too with with council it's outside or opposing councils what i found in my experience like sometimes you have like really good counsel and you kind of know what to expect from them like you, you 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 know that they're gonna this is how they're gonna work up their file and you know you kind of anticipate like these this is what they're gonna spend they're gonna put all the money in and sometimes that's easier to predict and pr- prepare for versus that council that just kind of like Wants to fly the plane into the side of the mountain and like it like takes that very cavalier approach and those are the ones that I find to be more dangerous because you you kind of don't know what to expect sometimes um, and I think you know they there's a lot more uncertainty there that it's hard to work with.
0: Yeah, I think again, I I think that that that's always been you know I think that there were. I'm just thinking about in terms of my own time in, as a, in practice in Hartford, you know, there were, you know, two or three plaintiffs firms, maybe, probably were more than two or three, uh, but it's been a long time. Um, there were two or three plaintiffs, uh, plaintiffs firms that, that, um, that you could trust, um, mm-hmm. that, you know, that when they said, you know, when they said something, it, you know, you could take it to the bank, Um and uh and that doesn't they weren't pushovers i mean they were they knew what they were doing um you know i i know them because i had them on some of my claims for that auto manufacturer and so you know um and they didn't you know and they didn't take small claims um you know and but then and then there were the sort of the ones that you described where basically you know you, you 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 know you didn't trust what they were saying and and you know everything had to be in writing and this was um and, uh, and so I think that that's, it's, that's always been, um, I just think, again, I think that the values are such now that it's, um, that, that it becomes that there's a lot more risk involved, yeah. um, when you but especially when you're dealing as you, you know, with that, uh, that attorney that really is, is just a little bit flying by the seat of their pants a little bit because they've got a, a sympathetic case or they've got a, a you know, um, or a, a very bad injury case
1: yeah i mean i i i will not name names but there's a particular attorney or firm that i mean i remember having a case that was not a super high value case but it just be it it, it was not treated that way but it was like you knew it was going to explode because they were pulling all the way random stops in order to like just blow up the case and just filing motions on nonsense things or filing motions against attorneys for nonsense things. And, and I remember talking to an associate and he, he said, yeah, I mean, they, we don't care if it's a loser, we're going to make it a winner, <laughs> but you didn't know it, but there was no, it, it was like the, the regular game wasn't there. It was trying to figure out what game they were playing and be like, okay, now I need to like, fig- I need to figure out what game this is. So I know, you know, what move, my move should be. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that that's, and that's hard it, it, yeah. it, it, when they're, when, the hardest thing more one of the hardest things i guess is is that when when somebody's doing something that's completely irrational and, yeah. and you know that it's you know you know that you have one of those situations when you call up you know your partner or you call up one of the, or i would call up a lawyer and say what am i missing here okay they're they're doing this this you know and this case is and what am i missing and, and when you have that conversation you know that you know that there's you've got that problem. <laughs>
1: You're like, am I the crazy one? Am I being gaslighted? <laughs> like, what's going right. on here? Um well, well Bob, we I I've kept you longer than I, I say I'm supposed to keep anybody, but I don't want to let you go until I ask you, you this. Um, because I, as you know, if as a listener, you know, I usually close up my podcast like this. Um, you know, if you were to Knowing what you know now through through your career, um, what advice would you give your younger self?
0: I, I guess what I would the, I would say is is that you have to love what you do, um, and um, and there has to be a, a purpose there. Um, I have um, you know I have these relationships with insureds um, that that I absolutely you know I, I just think that they are the best. Um, and uh, and it became a problem for my children actually because they, they would there was a point in, in each of their their growth where they would say to me well how do I get a job like yours and I said well, do you really want to be a lawyer and they said no 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 not not that but you wake up in the morning and you want to go to work how do I get a job like that mm-hmm. um, and so I, I think you know and so you know. Uh, And so I I would say that, you know, if you're going to get into this business, then then you have to be passionate about um, about um, serving uh, your insurers. Um, You have to be passionate about um, about uh, about, uh, protecting them. Uh, And sometimes protecting them means settling a case that they don't want to settle. Yeah. Um, And and but you but and and develop but and developing a relationship with them that you can explain to them why it is that you did that even though they didn't want to. Yeah. yeah, I think you have to love what you do Yeah
1: um
0: and if and if you don't love what you do, you find something else. you know, sort of in keeping with what we've uh, said uh, said uh, up to up to now is is that um you have to find um people that you can work with who you trust, whether that be, um, you know, internally in, in your company, or whether it be, you know, externally in terms of, of the lawyers that you hire, um, uh, and you have to find uh, and you have to develop those relationships, um, yeah. you know, and that that takes time, and it, it it's uh, and it it takes honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause when, when some, when you're unhappy with somebody's performance, you have to be able to tell them that in such a way yeah. as to, as to in a, in a constructive fashion. Um, and then I think also, and the same thing goes for, for, um, the clients, I mean, uh, insurers and, and I, I recognize that every carrier is not, uh, you know, the Hartford it didn't have the program that, that the Hartford had, um. But I think that, um, that, to the extent that um, you can develop that relationship with your insureds, um, you know that uh, that those are things which endure not only to your benefit but, but the benefit of the company because there are insureds that are going to stay with uh, your company uh, because of the relationship they have with you, uh, yeah. uh, you know, and sometimes in spite of, of the price. Uh, so um, so I again, I, I think that uh, that developing all of those relationships um, uh, is uh, you know and making sure that uh, that you're you're on on a good footing in, in all those situations. I think that that's uh, the best recipe for success.
1: Yeah and and to add also to know that it takes time. you know, it doesn't happen overnight. It, you know trust doesn't relationships and trust just don't happen at a drop of a hat um they take time and i think yeah. that's something that i think frustrating or for some some people to grasp because you want like immediate you know a lot there's a lot of want for immediate gratification <laughs> or um and patience patience is a virtue right <laughs> right <laughs> well bob thank you so much for for joining for joining me today i i i'm I'm honored to have you as, as a guest as, after being a listener for so long. I, I, I The honor is mine to ha- have you on. So I appreciate you taking the time to to join me. Um, hopefully my landscaping noise was not too loud. It, they were right up in my window <laughs> for a good portion of this. I didn't know there were that many leaves there, but apparently there were. Yeah. Um, But of course, for our listeners out there, if you like what you hear, please like and subscribe to the Defense of Arrests. Uh, You can find us on Apple Podcasts and you can also find us at TDNR Podcasts on YouTube.